1: Find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash too many captains productions. Find us at a podcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema.
0: Tonight on the Director's Cut, we go into the world of Stone Gremlin Productions with our top five favorite cinema snob episodes and a random DVD review of the trauma classic. Blood sucking freaks. So stick around. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Rob Horda. And we're podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it dabs, be it blunts, be it bongs, be it joints, smoke it if you've got it. And Robert, what are you smoking right now?
1: (laughs) Oh, just vaping, you know?
0: Just vaping it, right?
1: Just like a teenager. Yeah, just like a
0: fucking teenager. Yep.
1: How are you doing, Robert? Doing all right. It's like, no, it's one in the morning. (laughs) It's
0: one in the morning, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's usually this late whenever we podcast. I mean, because we're just night owls. So, I yeah. mean, fuck it, right?
1: We don't have work, so.
0: Yeah, I don't have to work in the morning. So, I mean, I guess we can go ahead and.
1: I definitely don't have to work, so.
0: Yeah. But anyway, let's go ahead and just jump straight into the action. We're talking about the cinema snob, a.k.a. Brad Jones. He has been a YouTube reviewer and critic for movies for a long time he's kind of affiliated with the channel awesome crowd but he pretty much runs his own production company and honestly i actually find his work to be a lot more re-watchable than most youtubers on the scene right now robert what did you initially think when you uh, saw the, your first cinema snob episode
1: i think you turned me on to brian jones oh yeah and definitely you know we did Watch the buttercream episode And that's what turned me on probably Yeah yeah hilarious. man
0: and, and that led to honestly The what is one of, what we had to do yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done on the main podcast I, I think it was actually pretty decent What did I think about it Oh his view towards
1: Oh god
0: All <laughs> kinds of nonsense right <laughs> Oh my god I
1: don't know Yeah we just, we just kind
0: of took that and ran with it Honestly I mean
1: I don't even know half the shit he said it's just freaking hilarious yeah, seriously. Anyway,
0: let's go ahead and get to our top five favorites. Like, Obviously, we, we love the cinema snob character. We love his reviews. He pretty much just riffs on different types of movies from pornography to old school and even more modern religious movies. He's pretty much been going through all the different slasher movies and food. Yeah, yeah, he also tries food. That's right. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and list our top five favorite episodes. At least this time, this is probably a list we're going to revisit because there's just so many different Cinema Snob episodes out there. Like I, I think over four hundred seventy to be exact. So four hundred seventy. Wow. Yeah, he he's done quite a few movies, and we'll go ahead and start with you, Robert. What is your fifth favorite Cinema Snob episode?
1: My number five. Would have to be Leprechaun 3 in Vegas.
0: Yeah, that's a great review, honestly, of a great series. I mean, the first four Leprechaun movies to me are just so classic. And this ties back, of course, to an episode that we did on the main podcast. Returns. Yeah, we did Leprechaun Returns. We talked about that series for a little bit, but... Why specifically Leprechaun Three? Like, what what did he say about this movie that kind of caught your ear, or eye, or whatever?
1: I don't know. It's just watching his reviews are freaking hilarious one after another, and yeah, but specifically, specifically with Leprechaun um, Three, we just got to watch that. Yeah. But-
0: well, for one. I just love how he really approaches something as silly as Leprechaun 3, you know? And it's, it's a very silly movie,
1: and he, he gives it just the treatment it deserves, honestly. Oh, yeah, for what it is. I mean, I think it's Warwick Davis, one of his funnest films he's ever done.
0: Yes, yes, he, he, he loves that movie. So, yeah, that's actually a good one to start with. My number five is the Estes Perkle film, If Footmen Tire You, What Will Horses Do? This goddamn movie is a fucking fever dream of Christian right nonsense that came straight from the late 60s and early 70s, so this is right up the Cinema Snobs' bailiwick, and he really just waylays this fucking movie, and... I really like the choice of this movie because of how creepy everything is throughout. Just that weird nature of his sermon and then like the reenactments that he says like the reenactments that are all gory and grindhousey and everything. Mm. It's like what the fuck? Where did he even find this fucking movie?
1: I have not seen that movie before and didn't watch the Brad Jones review at all.
0: I, I'm pretty sure that I showed that to you. It was that one old Mississippi Baptist preacher. He was like, will you come? Will you come?
1: <laughs> oh my God.
0: Will you come? And Brad Jones appropriately takes him down several pegs, especially in the other two Estes Perkle films that he did. Uh, one is The Sinner's Hell or something like that, and then there's one called The Believer's Heaven. Believer's Heaven. And... Yeah, it, it honestly gets creepier and creepier with every movie, and yeah, Brad definitely gives it exactly what it deserves. Yeah. Yeah, rest in peace, this Perkle, or whatever, I guess. <laughs> God damn it. But anyway, we're going to go into our number four favorite Cinema Snob episodes. Robert, what is your number four? Buttercream Gang. Oh. oh, snap. One of our favorites of all time, just like we talked about at the top of the episode. I mean, we're not going to go too <laughs> deep into the movie itself because we did a full episode on it, of course, and we highly recommend everybody checks that out. But, Robert, what made this review stick out to you other than the fact that it's probably the first Cinema Snob episode you've seen?
1: Just the way he tore into the characters and the way he tore into that whole town, figuring what it was, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and truth be told, it, it kind of became a running joke within our podcast. That it's a
1: meme that's still going?
0: Yeah, it, it's a meme that still goes on to this day, and that's that's pretty much what our episode is. It's pretty much a fucking meme, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's like an hour and a half long fucking podcast meme.
1: Just clown-donging. Yeah, <laughs> I mean...
0: It's it's nothing to take seriously, but his take on this movie just really like you said, it takes these characters who are supposed to be so white bread and so wholesome and kind of just exposes the dark side or or at least a dark enough take that you can apply to it. Cuz I mean, it's a schmaltzy cheesy movie in its own right,
1: but it's made for TV movie, wasn't it? It's, no, no, it's direct-to-video. Oh, it's yeah. Hallmark-looking. Yeah,
0: but Robert, what, what's your favorite moment in that review?
1: Where they're at the dance, and he's tearing the kids into an asshole just for the way they dance, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much mayo dancing, right? There you go. Oh, my God. Turkey
1: on white with a crust.
0: Anyway, my number four favorite Cinema Snob episode is one of the Neil Breen trilogy. And that would be the end of that trilogy, Fateful Findings. And oh, my Mm -hmm. God, that movie is a clusterfuck of just nonsense, man. Straight nonsense.
1: I haven't seen that. I think I've seen like half of that review, though.
0: Oh, come on, Robert. I thought you watched all of this.
1: All of it? No. I watched all mine, not all yours. Damn it. should have put on some of yours. I tried to, Robert. (laughs) Because <laughs> we were still watching all mine.
0: <laughs> but there's so many other great episodes that we kind of got a little distracted. Yeah. I mean, that is what's good about his channel is that you can kind of dig deep into all of his Cinema Snob episodes and you can find something new like every time. There's, there's even episodes of his that I haven't seen all the way. And I'm, I'm trying to catch up on all of them now. But this particular movie i mean it's a top-notch episode and it's because of the content the actual movie itself that he really just shines here you know
1: i guess they'll bring well we'll be talking about my number three later so
0: yeah 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 i mean we might as well go ahead and and talk about your number three because it ties directly into that
1: yeah i see i think you have to watch double down to realized what that is yeah,
0: yeah 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 that's the very first neil breen movie yeah and that one is hilarious just because of his uh his riffs on all the skulls that are just randomly out on the highway for some reason that's
1: hilarious that's like dumping dead bodies off the side road was that the desert
0: <laughs> yeah it's because apparently he's like some type of assassin he assassinates white collar criminals or some such nonsense, and and he's he's carrying around all those broken laptops, and man, he tears into that constantly because the the laptops are in the movie constantly.
1: They're hidden in the desert, and he's got the two satellites out of the car,
0: and Brad's just all like, that computer doesn't work because it was hidden out in the fucking desert. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a hilarious episode because it's just such a mystifying movie, and. All three of the Neil Breen movies that he has done so far, and I believe that there's another Neil Breen movie out there that needs to be an episode soon. I mean, I don't know if Brad's listening to this, but yeah, definitely make this an episode as quickly as possible. But yeah, Double Down is definitely a good entry point for Neil Breen and also for a cinema snob, especially
1: more recent cinema snob. We found a site. where we could buy it for five bucks. Yeah. I think we should do that.
0: We should, although in some way I kind of want to go ahead and buy it from Neil Breen just mm-hmm. to kind of give him that support, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, there's no telling whether or not he's getting any type of royalties or anything from any of those DVDs. So
1: It'll be like watching The Room again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you, you, get, yeah. you get The Room through Tommy Wiseau. You should get any of these movies through Neil Breen. It's only fair, I think.
1: Signed autograph. Maybe. Be great.
0: I don't know if he does that. He might. But I- I'm not entirely
1: sure. Yeah. Anyway, we need to get that movie so we can binge it.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, th- that would be a lot of fun. Like, we need to get all three of his movies and just spend an entire night just watching all of them and just just having our own riff session on it.
1: Oh, well, yeah. All that. What was that tune his Trunk.
0: <laughs> he, had, he had a bunch of empty cans of tuna fish. I, I'm surprised yeah. that Brad didn't actually point that out. But yeah. I was like, oh my God, that would smell like ass within like a week. Yeah. like, And th- that's just
1: disgusting to me. Fish cooking in the desert sun. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and, and tuna fish, that's some of the type of food that even before I was vegan, I wouldn't eat. I didn't like it then. So... But, yeah, that shit is still a hilarious episode. This is still a hilarious episode. And, yeah, definitely good for new cinema snob fans. Oh, yeah. My number three is one of his Christmas episodes from a few years back. And, oh, my God, this is another batshit piece of insanity. And I know the that showed me I showed it day. to
1: you. That was, like, the, uh, two days ago or think.
0: Yeah. And that would be Miss Velma's most incredibly magnificent Christmas week. This is some weird public access fucking nightmare of Christmas and Patriot- In America. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas and America. There's
1: American Christmas, America style.
0: Oh, man. It, it's this weird, just nightmarish parade of Christian right nonsense and weird production values and this host who is less charismatic than she really thinks she is honestly it's like i mean i'm sorry miss velma i know you're not on this mortal coil anymore but all that staging and costume and everything cannot be a stand-in for charisma that's just what that is and this is i'm i'm feeling to find words to describe it but the way that Brad put it, I mean, he described the insanity perfectly. Uh, Robert, what did you think when you saw this?
1: What type of white bridge <laughs> am I watching here? <laughs>
0: yeah, what the fuck are we watching here, like, you know? What, what is this shit? And, and it's, a, it's a VHS rip, and I think there's a point where the tape runs out at the end. It's not even the complete program, but there's like a scene where she fires a gun. Gun, Like, supposedly a live gun with live ammo on oh, stage, yeah. just randomly at the stage background. And then she plays a fucking hand organ. And oh my God. I mean, at the beginning of the episode, Brad, as the cinema snob, he says, I know that it's not Thanksgiving yet, but <laughs> I'm bringing out the Christmas episodes early because you have to see this. This is batshit insanity. Yeah, if you check out the episode, you'll see what I mean. There's a weird audio issue that I think comes from the VHS where it feels like there's kind of a little bit of a panning hole, in a stereo hole in the middle, where, I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of panned a little too hard and right. I think that that might be just, you know, the videotape, but yeah, I mean, that's the best that I can describe this episode and the movie that he actually reviews here. It's completely fucking insane, and you should watch his review, then go watch the actual video in its entirety on YouTube. It's insane. All right, it is time for our number two favorite Cinema Snob episodes. Robert, what is your number two?
1: My number two is Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Wars.
0: Man, that's just a classic movie altogether, and I was actually really happy that Cinema Snob episode started featuring these great old-school horror franchises. I mean, he's done Sleepaway Camp, Hellraiser. He's done Nightmare uh, on Elm Street. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, yeah, all the Halloweens, Hellraisers. I I think I said that already, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's really probably one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street reviews of his. I mean, in a way, he rips on it that kind of gives it the respect that it deserves, kind of, which is not saying much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure in real life he probably really likes the movie fine yeah probably I mean, finds flaws it's, it's, it's in fun it or whatever movies.
1: but it was good enough to make part four right
0: <laughs> hey yeah that, that's true i mean i i think that the dream warriors concept i mean that's probably the most memorable part of it
1: yeah that's one of the first ones i watched when i was a kid that one in part four
0: yeah i would say that i probably saw the very first one first yeah, I, and then, I, didn't then watch. I think I skipped up to like Dream Warriors.
1: Mm. I didn't watch them all in order. Wish I did. Would've fun.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it. It is fun to watch the series in order, and it, it's also fun to watch the Cinema Snob episodes one after the other. Just binge all the Nightmare on Elm Street reviews.
1: Yeah, all the Leverkow reviews. We still gotta do them all.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he still has to make his Leprechaun 4
1: episode. Oh, the In Space one. Yeah, Yeah, I mean,
0: whenever he gets around to that, I'm actually really excited for that because that is my favorite Leprechaun movie. It's a good one.
2: Yeah. We should
0: watch part two, maybe. We probably should, yeah. Review here in a second later. Yeah, definitely, definitely we should. And what was your favorite moment
1: from his review on that movie? Probably where he was just tearing into John Saxton. To, like, get his autograph for End of the Dragon, you know? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that yeah, that, that was, was great, funny,
1: dude. <laughs> That's yeah, that's fucking great, honestly. 60s actor, he's done so many things, yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's easy to forget that they brought both Heather Camp and Jock Saxon back for that, yeah,
1: yeah, and then she dies at the end of it. They both die. Yeah, they do.
0: Yeah, I mean, that whole family is officially wiped out now, so...
1: And then Brad Jones. I think he's the only one that notices, like, where's Nancy's father at? Because he died, too. should be buried next to him, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so he cracks all that. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting.
0: Okay, my number two is, once again, one of the craziest old-school cinema snob episodes ever on a movie that makes no sense. It should not exist in any plane of existence, period. I mean, it just should not be. And that is Fun in Balloon Land. This is one of the movies that kind of both mystified the character of the cinema snob and also kind of, you know, tortured him a little bit because it's pretty fucking bad. Mm. It's, It's, oh my God. It's it's literally this balloon company that made a movie with their parade balloons. They're all inflated in this warehouse. They have this little kid who's he's not mic'd up in any real sense of the word. And he, I mean, my God. It's, once again, difficult to describe the movie itself. And... It, it starts off like this fantasy land type scenario. And then it ends up just being footage of a parade with all this company's balloons in it. And this really, really batshit insane fucking color commentator, this woman who is just saying all this creepy shit about these balloons. I mean, it's supposed to be fun and you know, for kids and everything, but no, it's fucking nightmarish. And the Cinema Snob is just fucking gone <laughs> on so many levels on, throughout this episode. I mean, he's just like, what the fuck? It, it's probably the most what the fuck episode of Cinema Snob ever. Robert, fuck. what are your thoughts on it? I don't remember seeing that one. You don't remember <laughs> seeing it? That's another no. one I could have sworn that I showed you. Damn it. Damn. I mean, you're going to have to see it then because... Fuck. Yeah. It is absolutely the most insane thing that has ever been committed to film. I don't know
1: why it was made. I'm over here trying to find it. Yeah,
0: seriously. <laughs> it, it's it's absolutely insane, bro. And it, it, it was something that he ended up re-uploading in his Best of Cinema Snob series. So if you're going to look for it, it's in that particular playlist. Yeah. But, yeah, this is vintage... Straight-up crazy-ass cinema snob classic insanity. like that. That's the best I can say about it.
1: Skip it on to uh, number one.
0: Number one. Okay. Yeah, we're already at our number one. This is actually going by rather quickly in spite of all the craziness earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I spilled, I
1: spilled a bunch of bullshit. Damn technical it. difficulties.
0: Yeah, I guess you could call it technical difficulties. And we'll go ahead and go back to you, Robert, for the final time here. What's your number one favorite cinema snob episode?
1: Would have to be Jason Goes to Hell.
0: Oh yeah, we just watched that earlier, and oh my god, that's actually I think an underrated movie in the Friday the Thirteenth series. And I I don't know, maybe this review is maybe a little underrated in some ways. I don't yeah, know. Maybe I, I'm talking I mean, out of my ass. I mean, the
1: budget was like three million, and it. Gross, like fifteen million right I mean, it did good
0: it it did well, and it kind of set up the framework for Jason Bloom later on, you know, mm. like making cheap horror films and then just bringing in huge amounts of profit
1: bringing it in the nineties we gotta do it, yeah, but
0: in this episode, the character of the cinema snob is actually pointing out how good this movie is most of the time in his own acerbic way, yeah. That's actually what I like about this episode. He's actually pointing out, like, the special effects are actually pretty cool. Mm. It's like, I mean, the characters are interesting and even likable. And the ones who are supposed to be unlikable, I mean, you really fucking don't like them. I mean, it, it, it's an effective movie, actually. And he also brings up the insanity of the whole body-switching thing. Like, what what do you think, Robert? That's I think that's what makes the movie itself a classic is that it's just so different from all the other Friday the 13th movies.
1: Yeah, it's like a supernatural parasite or something from hell.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much what he becomes. It's basically the zombie Jason taken to its logical conclusion. Just
1: running around like a fetus trying to get into a Voorhees body.
0: Yeah, yeah, he has to be in a Voorhees body in order to truly resurrect or something exactly. like that. Yep. And it only takes another Voorhees to kill him.
1: Yeah, with that special dagger, remember that?
0: Oh, yeah. Now, what do you think of the cinema snob parts of this episode?
1: Oh, I think it's funny in the beginning where they, where he clowns are like Jason for being dead and Kane Hodder's like standing right in the corner. Oh, <laughs> that's the best. He's, <laughs> he's, like, he's he's not dead, he's right there. Yeah, he's
0: constantly <laughs> pointing out Kane Hodder and shit.
1: He's like, there he is, he's right there. <laughs> yeah, the that,
0: that's definitely an awesome part of the review. Yeah, that's a great episode as well, and honestly, I can't wait to watch it again. I mean, I think I brought up the rewatchability of Cinema Snob episodes, and this episode is very much why. And my number one is also why I kind of believe that about Cinema Snob, and it's the movie Old Fashioned. I think I have shown this movie to you. It's, a, it's that religious movie. That's, it's like a romantic oh my comedy. God, yeah. and, and, and the dude is such a fucking massive creepy
1: dick. He's like a tool. But really.
0: somehow this woman is falling in love with him. And How? How? Why? Why? And he, he, he's, he's known as old fashioned because, I mean, he won't be in the same room with another woman, which is creepy as fuck.
1: He can't be in her house. can't be in her house. Having dinner.
0: I mean, he he was once like a Girls Gone Wild type uh, producer. I mean, that's pretty much the series that he made. He made like a Girls Gone Wild type of situation, which is... The footage of that in this movie is creepy as fuck. I mean, there's so many things I could list from this movie that just irks me to no end, and actually angers me. This is a Cinema Snob episode that actually angers me because he's angry throughout the whole episode. Yeah. I mean, he's pissed at this movie because its message is wrong, it, its oh, its tone is wrong, everything about it is just off. And, we, and at the very end of this episode, and, I mean, it's my favorite part of the episode, I mean, we might as well get that out of the way, is when he's like, fuck this movie, and fucking it's... How to guide on how to live alone and die alone. Oh man. Like, I mean, that is like the nail in the coffin for that fucking movie. I don't even know why this movie should exist. And Brad, as the cinema snob, man, you really fucking tore this movie down where it needed to be. I mean, shit. It, it, I'm, I'm actually getting angry myself thinking <laughs> about this movie. Robert, do you remember this shit? Yeah,
1: I do. What do,
0: what do you think, man? I mean, I, I'm starting to steam a little bit now.
1: I think his message is pretty funny, and it's pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's straightforward. Are you talking about the movie or the review?
1: His review toward, towards the message it's trying to send yeah. to its oh, viewers. Right. Yeah, he, he,
0: he attacks it constantly. In, it's because of just the way that the movie is written, more or less. I mean, that that's really what the ultimate slap in the face from this movie is. Is its writing is atrocious, and it's pedantic, and it's preachy, and its message is just not something that people should
1: take heed it's like seven heaven bullshit
0: it's i think it's worse than seven it's, it's a lot worse seventh uh. heaven at least had some credibility at least before the dad turned out to be a fucking creepler. yeah the, the actor in real life but this has no credibility at all as a movie at all and in the cinema snob i mean it's my favorite episode he He completely tears it down. Those are my favorite episodes is when he gets indignant about a movie that he's reviewing. And I will definitely feature more movies like this on future cinema snob lists. Because like I said, this isn't going to be the only cinema snob list that we do. I mean, we're just barely scratching the surface here.
1: We got over 400 episodes of do, right? Over 470. 470, okay. Yeah,
0: as, as I stated uh, before the episode. Yeah, yeah, 473 or something like that. It's a long way. Yeah, it's a lot to get into. It really is. So that is our top five favorite Cinema Snob episode list. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we are going to do a random DVD review for the... Crazy little slice of nastiness that is trauma's blood-sucking freaks. This is going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned. Yeah. Check you after the bump.
2: I am sadu master of the theater of the macabre. Prepare yourself for the horror. Prepare yourself for the terror. Prepare yourself for the ultimate blood-curdling experience.
0: Blood-sucking freaks!
2: In all the history of evil, there has never been anything or anyone to equal the demented mind of Sadu. Oh, now we're getting the proper reaction. Ow. He was an evil genius of pain with the most bizarre machines and tools ever created to torture the body of woman. Yes, torture and torture and torture, but keeping that once beautiful body alive so it can suffer more and more and more. But if you are skeptical or bored, then just pretend that what you see is real. by his evil the tortured become the torturers he turned young virgins into flesh eating cannibals and set them loose in a frenzy of pain filled orgies Sardu he was the creator and the director he was the master of
0: Blood-sucking
2: freaks! The show that will make anyone rich.
0: And we are back, and it is random DVD review time. Robert, what movie are we reviewing today?
1: Blood-sucking freaks.
0: Blood-sucking freaks. Fuck yeah, man. This is a great piece of exploitation cinema, honestly. It's very rough around the edges. I mean, it's not like there's any superlative cinematography to speak of here but what this movie lacks in like panache or whatever it makes up for and just straight up outrageousness right yeah robert i showed this movie to you not too long ago like maybe about a year ago what were what were your first initial thoughts when watching this movie and what what really stood out for you here i mean
1: from the beginning you uh, a vice grip that Lady's hand right to the table.
0: Yeah, it kind of just goes straight into the craziness, you know? Like, first, it starts with that, that girl being delivered in that crate,
2: mm. and
0: Ralphus, who we will talk about here in a little bit because Ralphus is amazing. <laughs> I mean, Ralphus just pretty much, like, with a change, just raises this chick out of this crate, and it pretty much immediately. Sets the story in motion, and it goes right into the stage play where all this torture is going on. And people think that it's fake torture. This is like Grand Guignol style theater or something like that.
1: Like a magic show. Yeah, Yeah,
0: pretty much like a really gory magic show. But in reality, these women are actually being tortured on stage.
1: They're killing them. They're pulling their eyeballs out, eating them. Straight
0: up, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a scene where Ralph is straight up cooking some eyeballs, and it is very gross looking because they're obviously real, like cow eyeballs. And, you know. Yeah, like, I think
1: that's real. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that pisses me off in so many ways. You we, we all know why. But man, Ralphus is just the best here, man, isn't he?
1: Oh yeah, he's a treasure.
0: Yeah, he is so joyous throughout every scene that he's in. I mean, he, he does this weird little dance every time that he has, like, a victory or whatever. And, I mean, he does some pretty reprehensible things, of course. I mean, this is a pretty disturbing movie. I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. This is on the Horrible Review's Top 100 Most Disturbing Movies. And that's actually where... It's not where I first, like, heard of this movie before, but it's where I first got fully acquainted with it, right? Mm. And I don't know, man. I mean, the the violence and the gore in this movie, it it's actually not half bad for its time.
1: Nineteen seventy six. 76.
0: Yeah, for mid-70s grindhouse gore, I mean, I've actually seen worse in some Italian movies or some, some other Euro schlock films mm. or whatever. I mean, what would you compare the gore
1: in this movie, too. I don't think it's half bad. I think it's sort of like Drive-In Movie Massacre or Drive-In Massacre, right?
0: Yeah, Drive-In Massacre. Yeah. Man, that movie is kind of boring, honestly. It, is. it gets
1: boring waiting for yeah. the kills to happen, you know?
0: And I wouldn't say that this movie is boring. No, it's not. There's always some new kind of piece of outrageousness just around the corner in this movie. Like, for instance, there's the whole s m bondage angle.
1: It's everywhere, all over the place.
0: Yeah, completely. I mean, there's so many different fucked up fetishes being portrayed in this movie. I mean, no kink shaming or anything, but I mean, there's women being used as furniture. I mean, there's like torture racks, I mean, electrocution. I mean, as you said, the, the vice grips mm. at the beginning of the movie.
1: I mean, what about the wishbone? He's set the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wishbone scene. Oh, Lord. Two come alongs, one to each leg.
0: Like, you see Zardu, the the main antagonist of the movie, being flogged by his uh, hench women. I mean, you see a woman's ass being used as a dartboard. Not fun. No. You see a cage full of feral, naked, cannibal women that I guess Zardu has been keeping as slaves or something to, to guard his money. I mean, it's like, what else is in this movie, man? I mean, there there's a, there's a ballerina that kicks a guy to death. There's a cock sandwich at the fucking end. Oh, my end. God. Uh, oh, man, it's like I could meat. sit here and just keep listing scene after scene after scene. There's so much craziness in this movie, and it does come off kind of mean-spirited in many ways but i have fun watching this movie like not because i get off on any of it because it's just so fucking ridiculous it's a level of ridiculousness that i don't feel you really see in these types of movies anymore not at all. Like like maybe, no. I mean, it's appropriate that it's on Troma because maybe on Troma you will see that. That's probably the one place where you will see craziness like this. They are pretty much the only company that
1: could release this. That's a good thing.
0: Yeah. But when Troma released it, they sent it to the MPAA. They paid for a rating. They got an R rating. They cut like a good 40 minutes of footage or something like that from this movie. And then when it was re-released... I mean, I don't really remember if it said that Troma released this initially, but we'll just go with that right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> when, when it was released with the R rating, they actually put the footage that they cut right back into the movie. It was basically uncut in all its glory, the way that it's seen on its DVD release. And that caused a little fervor with the MPAA. They actually sued them for it. They sued the filmmakers for this shit. Sucks. It sucks, and I mean, the MPAA is a is kind of a crock of shit in its own right. I mean, that, that's a whole nother episode altogether. But, yeah, I mean, it. That's an interesting part of its history. And I guess we'll go ahead and start wrapping it up now. Robert, what are your final thoughts on this movie, and what really stood out to you the most
1: here? Probably the second vice script scene with the, the chick where he saws her hand off and then he pulls out Ralph is, pulls out her eyeball yeah right in front of everybody
0: yeah that that just completely just set the standard for every single torture scene after that
1: yeah after that it's like what's gonna happen this is like really crazy shit
0: honestly when I saw that first stage play at the beginning of the movie I knew that this film was going to be something special so
1: to speak oh man <laughs> it's like a carnival act. They just take it on the road. That'd be funny.
0: Yeah. What would you rate this movie,
1: Robert? It being a trauma film, which we all know, love, wish to see more. There's hundreds of trauma films we haven't tapped into, really. Yeah. yeah. But I would rate this a 3.5 or a 4. Probably a 4.
0: Probably a 4. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the 3.5 3.
1: rating.
0: 3.5, yeah. I mean, by no means is this a particularly... Spectacular movie in any way. I mean, it, it is kind of shitty, but mm. it's that special kind of shitty that is just fun to watch, if anything, just for all the craziness. Like, it, it, it's, exactly. it's kind of like pieces in that respect. You know, it, it's a movie that you come to because. Its reputation precedes it, you know. Also, like Cannibal Holocaust, or even slashers like Sleepaway Camp, you burial know? Ground. or burial ground. You know, Italian zombie movies like that. Yeah, this is great. But yeah, I think that 3.5 out of five is definitely a an appropriate rating for this. Even though I really do love watching it, I've seen this movie a lot. I mean, not a whole lot of horror fans really care for it for some reason.
1: Yeah, fuck them.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, if you are into trauma, if you are into disturbing cinema, if you're into horror or exploitation filmmaking in general, this is definitely a movie to watch. It It's something that y- is pretty much standard viewing as far as I'm concerned, alongside other exploitation classics. Yeah,
1: it's a trauma, so we have to love it no matter what. <laughs> we pretty much
0: have to love it no matter what. Yep. Yeah, I mean I'm pretty much reflexively buying Trouma films now just because they're Troman films.
1: Let us up.
0: Yeah, and, and they've done a ton of different genres actually. So But yeah, that's our rating and review of Bloodsucking Freaks. Robert, is there anything else that you wanna add?
1: No, that's, that's it. That's it? That's it. <laughs> I don't feel like plugging nothing. I'm good right now.
0: You don't feel like, oh, come on, Robert. There's got to be something going on while you're in isolation.
1: Oh, just counting the days.
0: Just counting the days. Counting the days. God damn. It's yeah. pretty much all that many of us can do right now, that's honestly. All can do.
1: Yeah.
0: But anyway, we thank you for listening to this episode of Collateral Cinema Director's Cut. You can find us on. Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Check out Collateral Cinema's Patreon page. Also, check out Collateral Gaming, our sister podcast, with all kinds of content regarding video games and video game culture and whatnot. Check out Trial By Air Variety Show. That's another one of our uh, affiliate podcasts, I would say. I'd say by this point, Chaz is an affiliate of ours now, and a friend of ours as well. Yeah. He's affiliated with us. And also... Check us out on Spotify, Chill Lover Radio, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever else you catch your podcasts. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and leave you now. We will be back with a new Collateral Cinema episode very soon, and we will be discussing the Full Moon Features classic, Look. Intruders.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: yeah, That's going to be a lot of fun. We've been putting that one off, but we're finally getting to it
1: finally finally
0: so yeah check that out and thank you for, once again for listening to collateral cinema director's cut i'm bo maddox
1: i'm Ro- Oregon.
0: and we are out of here Layers, folks